Welcome to the I Know a Thing podcast. I'm Kat. I'm Kelly. And this is Lauren. Today we have Coach Sherry on our show. We're so excited from TeenWise. Coach Sherry is the founder of TeenWise and is an international community leader in parent and teen education. With over 30 years of professional experience, experience. She is a parent and teen coach who empowers girls to conquer girl drama and establish healthy and fulfilling friendships. Sherry, we're so excited to have you on with us today. Welcome. Yes. As moms of daughters, this is going to be very important for us to hear. Mm -hmm. Um, But before we start, we would love to hear kind of how this all started for you, how you found yourself kind of in this space. And um, yeah, Kind of your journey to get here. So it's a, a windy road and a very long story, but I'll make sure I don't take too much time to explain this. <laughs> so it started way back when, when I got my master's degree in counseling psychology. Um, it, it really was a space that I knew that I could make a difference in this world. So that was something that gravitated towards. And I did a lot of research in the neuropsychology departments and, and neurology departments. And from there, life just kept moving forward. So fast forward to um, a job that I had with the Women's Sports Foundation. I helped to create and to distribute a curriculum called Go Girl Go. And that was for girls ages 8 to 18. It was a space where I felt like this is where I need to be. And it was not in finding the kids who were in crisis. It was about preventative mental health measures. And that's what I knew we were missing. There was a huge gap in the support that was available to parents of teens and to teens themselves. So that led me to start TeenWise, and the focus is on, as you mentioned, conquering girl drama, because this is a space where girls just kind of go through it and they don't get the support they need. So that is my passion is to support girls going through girl drama, but also teens that are just going through adolescent stuff like self-esteem, confidence, things of that sort and bringing the parents into the mix because the parents are an extremely important part in supporting teens through all the ups and downs. That's amazing. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think it's so important. I mean, just as a mom of of girls, I mean, it is so important. Like it's important for them to have a place to go, a voice to listen to, someone who understands. I mean, it's, it's and someone who isn't always their mom, you know, somebody want to, they want to bounce ideas off of somebody else and just, you know, understand that. So I have to ask you, what's the difference between a coach and a therapist? There's no easy answer to this. The lines have gotten a little bit blurred these days because there are um, some therapists who act a little bit more like a coach. There's a lot of different types of therapy, right? But if we kind of take it at the purest forms, the therapy is typically looking backwards at how did we get here? A lot of times it's trauma-based. And so there's a lot of that emotional, um, how should we say, discovering and processing through that. So coaching, of course, you can't just leave the emotions to the side, but it's more about where are you right now? Where do you wanna be and how do we get you there? And again, back to the purest form, in therapy, you're kind of looking for weaknesses a lot of times. In coaching, you're looking for the strengths and building off of this. Now, do you find that the kind of, is it parent led in terms of parents finding you or is it girl led led in terms of they're seeking out someone or 
how would someone connect with you? Or do you find it's kind of parents who you, you were kind of saying like something happens and they need help or, um, how do they kind of find you or what's that? Yeah. So it's usually parent led. So the parents are, uh, and I see, I get emails, texts, I get like DMS on Facebook. It's usually late at night. Like I see like parents with like their, their girls have gone to bed and they're like, I just can't do this anymore. She needs support. So it is definitely parent led. That's why I have a Facebook group that's for parents where they can get a lot of information for free from me um, because parents are in their kids' lives daily. Whereas I, as a coach, I get to see them once a week. I do offer support in between sessions, but it's still not the same. Yeah. So yes, parents are looking for me. Often they're Googling, you know, frantically trying to find something, anxiety, friendships, girl drama, um, mental health for teen girls and they happen upon me. I want to make that easier for them to find me, but you know, I'm doing my part and getting myself out there. But yeah, so it is parent led. However, a lot of parents who reach out to me say, my daughter is asking for support. And either they haven't found a therapist or they have found a therapist and it's just not working for their daughter. I actually have a lot of clients come in who have tried therapy, didn't like it, didn't get anything out of it. And so they're seeking something where it actually will be more in alignment with what their daughter wants. Um, a lot of therapists, I shouldn't say a lot, I'm not gonna cast a, a wide net like that, but um, there are therapists who are just reflective. So there, I hear you saying, uh, you know, what are you feeling? I hear you. And teen girls need more than that. They need some advice, they need encouragement. And so girls will come to me also that are seeing a therapist, but they need advice about the girl drama specifically and friendship issues. What do I do about this situation? I actually love that because then the therapist can deal with anxiety and I can say, okay, let's deal with the situation that is creating the anxiety for you. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, over the years that you've been doing this, like what are some of the things that you've seen about teens, uh, teen girls recently that have changed and what kind of remains and stays the same consistently? So let's start with what's different first. Um, obviously the teens right now just went through a pandemic. This is something that was a major disruptor to their social development, their emotional development, to just their maturity. They were in a time where they're supposed to be reaching out, becoming independent and what happened? They got stuck in the house with parents for you know sometimes two years and depending on the family's needs um, and medical issues some of them literally were in the household and saw nobody for a year or more so that was a major issue for our kids not just our girls of course but for kids in general and also the kids who did get to go back to school we were wearing masks how do you tell emotions? It's through facial expressions. So while they could see the eyes, they couldn't see all the rest of it. So that really limited their ability to learn how to interpret emotions and relate with other people. And it also created this mask of um, it, like separation. And a lot of kids I talk to now, like they don't even wanna take that mask off because they're still feeling insecure, not necessarily about COVID anymore, but about them, that mask gave them that disconnect. So that's obviously a big difference. These kids are going through that and they're kind of having to catch up. And um, the other piece is obviously social media. 
It's 24-7. When we were younger, we could go home after school and be done with the social drama if we chose. And now, even if they don't hop on their phones, they don't get on social media, that drama is still churning. It's still going. So if they're off social media for or group chats, for that matter, text for three hours and they hop back in, it's like they catch up on those three hours of social time that they missed. It's intense. And it is um, it, the downtime is taken away where they can kind of relax and, and de-stress. That's a big, big difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, think about, I mean, we were, we were all, all of us were teenage girls, you mm -hmm. know, and mm -hmm. it's just crazy how things have changed so much. Mm -hmm. I mean, you think girl drama is girl drama, but it's next level now. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's really amped up in terms of what they're dealing with and um, like the things that, you know, my daughter and their friends will bring up. It's, I feel like it's stuff that maybe we dealt with in college, not in mm -hmm. middle school. And so yeah. their little brains, you just kind of worry that it's just too much for them at this age. So I think it's wonderful that they have kind of an outlet in you um, to talk about that. Now, do you do, what is the setting of your um, kind of program? Is it individual? Is it groups? Is it... It's they... a combination. So I have private coaching and I kind of think of that as the the fast track, right? It's really diving into specific situations that are going on. Let's figure out what you specifically can do this week to make a change. And then we have the friendship circle, which is a group setting for girls. That's for middle and high school girls. And that is an opportunity for them in a safe space to first of all, realize they're not the only ones going through it, which a lot of girls, when they even come into private coaching and I say, look, 99% of the girls I work with are dealing with this. It's like, you can just see their whole body language changes. Like, oh my gosh, it's not just me. Like I, there's not something wrong with me. So, but that's the friendship circle. And we also practice things like, how do we respond to girl drama? How do we have a conversation? Um, how do we rise above the girl drama? And also building up confidence, self-esteem, all of those things is really key. But of course, one of the most important pieces is the parents also get support because parents are there every day dealing with it. And if the parents understand how to best support their daughter and empower them, then that's fantastic. Because a lot of times, very loving, well-intentioned moms don't know, and I say moms because they're the ones who mostly deal with the girl drama, but um, they don't understand how to deal with girl drama in a way that's empowering. So the way that they step in and support their daughters actually disempowers their daughters, which we don't want, obviously. So what are some of the common mistakes that you see that parents make um, with regards to their daughters that, you know, that you mentioned them being well-intentioned, but, you know, not really having a good outcome? Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you the number one mistake is stepping in and trying to fix it, mm -hmm. like trying to be the one that deals with it because what it says to your daughter is you are incapable of dealing with this move aside let mama come in and fix it and it's really not a way that teaches her problem solving skills relationship skills it just says move aside and let me do this for you interesting hmm. interesting i guess empowerment is very important you know that they have to yes. feel like they can kind of figure it out and they have the tools and the strength 
to do that. But it is hard mm-hmm. as a mom not to want to just fix it. It's heartbreaking. Absolutely. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. so hard, especially when we're coming from a place where we have more wisdom. We've had more yeah. years on this planet and we're like, just do this, right? Or I'm going to let me call the school and, and fix this, right? Or let me call that other parent or let me get on your texts and let me just talk to the girl directly. I have seen that. And it's all stuff that it's our uncomfortableness. Mm-hmm. We don't want our kids to suffer, of course. And we're like, just let me in there. Let me let me do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a very good point. So when would be the time that as a parent, you would definitely directly intervene versus letting your daughter or son work it out by themselves? Mm-hmm. So there's a few times like physical harm. If it's if it's a one time like they knocked them in the hall and that's it, that probably needs to be reported right away to the school, especially if it's an ongoing sort of physical thing, definitely um, get the school involved. The other thing is if it's ongoing, it's escalating and you see your daughter's emotions really taking a dive, self-esteem, it's really affecting her. Now, having said that, sometimes intervening doesn't mean you go to the school or the um, teachers. Sometimes that means you get them the professional support that they need. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So one of the issues that we wanted to talk to you about has to do with something that a lot of parents have been talking about um, is this the this generation is um, having difficulty with resiliency um, and overcoming obstacles, even small ones, you know, yeah. and, they, and they seem like they're making a huge deal over very little things. And Um, you know, I know in my, my kids elementary school, they were teaching the concept of grit and, you know, um, and the growth mindset, but it doesn't seem to have exactly penetrated at this point for a lot of kids. So I'm wondering what your perspective is on that. So there's a few things there. Um, first of all, it's important to understand there's a difference between learning something and living something. So sometimes they learn this in the classroom, but they're not actually given the experiences to put it into action. So that's one of the things that that happens with even social emotional learning. We need this in the schools, but we need to make sure that the teachers are actually, um, that they are taught how to incorporate this on a daily basis. Because if you have a six week set of lessons, And then on the seventh week, you're back to, you know, make sure you make all A's and make sure that you, you know, don't um, have any adversity on the playground, then it doesn't translate to everyday life. Mm -hmm. So that's one piece of it. The other thing is that we need to consider the idea of what grit actually means, first of all, and what resilience means. So grit is passion plus perseverance. What we really are pushing in our society right now is perseverance. But the passion piece, a lot of times it's like, who cares about that? You just need to get things done, power through things. So we have to remember, we need to allow our kids to find their passions, which may change, right? It may be one thing this week. It may be a different thing two weeks from now, but we want them to be able to take their passion and move forward with it. The other thing that we often forget is a difference between resilience and perseverance. Do either of you, have you heard the difference in this? Because not a lot of people really think about this. 
All right. So perseverance is powering through. Resilience is powering through, getting back up when you fail or have a difficult time. And you're emotionally resilient. So you're able to process the emotions and move forward. Whereas perseverance, you may keep going, but your emotions are so um, intense and maybe there it's depression and anxiety, but you're still pushing through. You're still getting the GPA of the 4.0 and you're still getting your homework done. You're still achieving on the soccer team. All of those things are still happening, but the resilience is over here suffering because the emotions aren't being dealt with. So it's really key to remember the difference between those two. So this is definitely what we're seeing with this generation coming up is the emotional piece of that. The resilience is not there. And we have to take a step back and figure out why. Yeah, I've done a, yeah. go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was, yeah, I was just going to ask you if you have any theories on why, why that is. Mm -hmm. I think about this quite a bit and I have some theories on it. One is, first of all, that, that our kids are bombarded with through social media, through us as parents, with the news of the world and what it does is it takes away their hope and what gets us through those difficult emotional times the hope that the future is better that today sucks it's horrible i'm feeling depressed i'm feeling anxious but i know that there's better things coming and the messaging that our kids are getting right now is some of them think the world is ending in 10 years right yeah. what do we see on the news unfortunately mass shootings so now they think every day they go to school, am I safe or not? Mm -hmm. We see riots that are happening. We, there's, you know, let's keep going. There's a list of mile long of what our kids are hearing that all these issues are coming up. So there's this constant idea of the world is not a good place. Mm -hmm. That's one piece of it. Mm -hmm. The other is that we often are catastrophizing to our kids. So if they fail a test in their mind, I'm not going to get into college. I'm not going to be successful. I'm not going to have the career that I want. And some of that comes from us as parents. Some of it comes from the schools and some of it comes from society mm -hmm. and peer pressure. The kids peer pressure each other on grades and stuff. So I would say the catastrophizing is a really big issue because if you think everything is in the dumps, everything is going to end, why would you have emotional resilience? Mm -hmm. yeah right mm -hmm. you would we, constantly we be down it's very true and I think we especially are in in this area where, where we are in this school district the level of competition and pressure scholastically I feel like is so unmanageable it's 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 so I don't it's too much and um you know not every kid is you know, that, that academic kid. And so I think it's important to make sure your, you know, your, your child has other opportunities and other lanes to go down and you have to take away the, that pressure. I mean, it's so hard. I don't know how, but mm -hmm. you just see it. There's so much talk about grades and honor society and college in eighth grade. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. And if you think back to grit, which is what we want for our kids, passion is a part of it. It's not just about the perseverance. So we want them to do well in school. Some kids don't like school, yeah. right? Yeah. So for them, we just need them to get through it, maybe getting C's, you know, passing things. But right now, as you pointed out with the pressures, if you have a child who's making C's, you kind of feel like you're not doing your job as a parent. 
what do I need to do to get them to the A's? Because they'll never get in college. They'll never get a job if they have C's, which is not true. Not true. If a person follows their passion, they're going to have success. But when it's stifled, that's when we have issues. And I think also there's also pressure, I think, as parents, parents to parent, you know, where you do feel this pressure of, oh, well, you know, you're, you know, you want your kid to do well. And it's, and it it is, there is pressure amongst parents. Um, Absolutely. And that's something I think that's, you know, hard to get over as well. It is. And it's another piece that brings in this reason why resilience is kind of waning in our kids. It's because we are so over involved as parents these days. If you think back to parenting, maybe let's say 30 years ago, parents were not involved in every single thing that their kid did. Mm-hmm. And it gave them opportunities to do stupid things, to make mistakes, to have natural consequences. And so what I'm seeing now is, and I think this is really a big part of the issue with this generation right now, is that we're all born with resilience. So it's not about we need to build resilience in our kids. It's about they need to rediscover it. And to rediscover it, we as parents need to give them space to make mistakes, to have failures, to make that D, to fail a class, to to get a skin knee. And right now what we're doing is we bubble wrap our kids and it goes back to that parent peer pressure. You can't let your kids get hurt. You can't let them fail a class. You can't let them drop a sport. You can't let them fill in the blank. And so by doing that, it's like when we baby proofed when they were little, we're life proofing them. And in doing that, they've got no resilience because they don't have the adversity. They need to have the experience of having intense emotions, having these moments of failure, doing things that they're embarrassed about, doing things that they disappoint you as parents. And they figure out, oh yeah, that was pretty awful. But here I am today and I'm stronger and I know I can get through those things. Mm-hmm. So we have to help them to rediscover that resilience. Yeah. Interestingly, I know a lot of parents who have kids, you know, there's there's so many more diagnoses these days yeah. for kids with special needs or, you know, special, you know, learning patterns um, and anxiety. And the parents are just like over their shoulder, like, okay, we just need to get this done. We just need to get yeah. your homework done. And, um, and I think it's the opposite from what you're saying of what you should do, which is like, give them the self-esteem and the responsibility to do it on their own. And then if they fail, you know, you discuss it. But I think there's just so, you know, as parents, we put so much pressure to like, just get it done, just get it done, you know, just get through this. And then again, it goes against your whole idea about having passion in what you're doing, because it's just like a, get it done, get it over with. Yeah. Um, and so we're, we're sort of unfortunately doing the opposite of what we should be doing. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's one thing that I recommend to a lot of parents and they see the shift when they institute this and it's called the CEO meeting. And this is like on Sunday evening, your child has their own CEO meeting and you are the participant. So your child says, here's what I have coming up this week. Here's what I need from you, parents. I need a ride here. I need a tutor for this thing. I don't understand this. I've got two tests. And then you are there as the support. So they let you know what they need. And it gives them ownership of those things. So you're not driving it. You're not looking online to see what their assignments are. You're not looking if they're failing or what sports um, stuff they have coming up. 
It's their responsibility to tell you what's going on. So it completely puts them in the driver's seat and it starts to build this idea of ownership of their own life versus the parent who's saying, all right, here's everything you've got this week. Are you ready for this test? Do you need to study? Let's sit down. You need 30 minutes. Um, it's a completely different dynamic. And there was one mom who did this with her son in, in high school. He was getting lower grades. She did this flip in the CEO meeting and he got everything up to A's because wow. it then became his experience. He was doing it for himself, not for his mom. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And I think also like on that same kind of topic, I think what is different now from when, when we were kids is we have so much information about our kids now where you can yes. log in and see mm -hmm. everything where I feel like when I was growing up, my parents didn't have access like that. They, they would just wait yes. for the report card to come home. You know, they weren't. And now we have so much information, like you can go assignment by assignment and it becomes you know it kind of you can kind of get a, become obsessed as a parent just absolutely yeah watch and observe and micromanage of them and I think that is such an important thing you just said of maybe the best thing to do is just kind of take a step back and let them even though that's so uncomfortable for us or at least for me as a parent I think what really resonates with me is like, maybe it's okay to be uncomfortable as a parent, you know, maybe right. it's okay to have that uncomfortable feeling where like, will they do it? Will they get it done? Well, maybe they will, maybe they won't, but that's on that, you know, that's on them. And that's, right. that's very interesting. It's almost like training us as well, yes, right? Totally. They need to get uncomfortable. Yeah. And so it is. Mm -hmm. But here's what you're up against. Uh, this is what I see now is that if a kid is missing assignments, what does the teacher do? Not all teachers. They contact the parents. Oh, yeah. Say, These are missing. You need to get this done. And I see that parents are like, why didn't the teacher tell me the assignments were, were missing? Mm -hmm. Well, that creates this triangle and the teacher and the parent become more responsible for it than the kid. Right. So no wonder the kids are like, hey, I'm checking out on this. It's not even my deal. It's the my parents and the teacher. They're more involved in this than I am. They're more interested in my grade than I am. So we have to change that dynamic. But it comes from a lot of parent peer pressure, too. Yeah. Uh, when you get together and people are talking about the extra tutoring, the homework, the, you know, all sorts of things, um, then you start to feel like, oh, I, I'm not getting that for my kid. I need to put that in place. I need to bring someone in to do that. Yeah. Not that it's not okay to have tutors. I'm not implying that, but we have to consider when do we institute this extra support? We need to make sure we're not going overboard and let our kids ask for that versus here, you have to have this tutor. And so I'm wondering now, because we have middle schoolers that are moving into high school and um, I'm wondering like what the difference you see is on the, on the pressure on them in middle school versus high school. Cause I can imagine that's when, you know, everyone starts thinking about college and it gets very competitive and, you know, one-upping. So what's the difference in the, in the challenges they're facing in middle school to the challenges mm -hmm. they'll have in high school? Okay. Let me back that up a little bit. That should be the case. But what I'm hearing is that this is starting younger and younger, these pressures. Mm -hmm. So I'm hearing even, I, I see some younger kids and when I talk to them in third, fourth grade, they're already talking about college. They're already having the pressures of college. And so you can imagine in middle school that ramps up and then in high school, it gets even more extreme. 
And it's not just the parents. I mean, there's a lot of parents who are like, no, I don't want this. And they're trying to tell their kids, don't do this. You know, we love you no matter what. You don't have to get this four point whatever GPA. But the school is giving these messages that they need to really excel. And the peer to peer pressure also, like how many extracurriculars are you doing? How many clubs? Um, what are you doing to bolster your um, college essay? And it's just, it's really extreme. Wow. It is extreme. Yeah. I mean, I, we, you know, I sat in on a, um, like a intro to high school where they kind of were talking just about classes and for incoming ninth graders and what you take. And I was so overwhelmed as a grown adult. Um, yeah. I didn't even know where to begin. I mean, and I don't, I couldn't even process that as a 40 year old. I don't even know how an incoming freshman, it's so overwhelming in it. And I think that catastrophe or catastrophizing thing you were talking about, I think that's so relevant because I think all they, they feel as if one mistake will completely get them off the path they need to be on. And um, it's just so sad. I mean, it's just, it's, that's a horrible way to live and that's a horrible way to think. And it's just, it's so sad, mm -hmm. but yeah. it is overwhelming. I mean, I was trying to look through that, the class list. I mean, I was overwhelmed. Yeah. I oh, mean, yeah. No, no. I was very overwhelmed. Yeah. And I also hear a lot of parents and kids like they need to get ahead. Yeah. So when you go to an orientation like you went to, you start to feel like, oh my gosh, I haven't done my job as a parent. I don't have them in advance of this and that. I, they're not taking summer classes to get ahead. Um, we can, we have the option to push all that aside. We don't have to accept all of that um, as fact because it's not. So we have to do our best as parents to contradict all of the stuff that's out there because your kids are going to be faced with the, those um, myths of um, schooling and college and careers and success and you just have to get them based back in in reality now i know social media i mean obviously that's a huge topic right now um i know it's a huge topic at our home with our my girls um what kind of are you seeing in terms of social media and what the girls are telling you and the biggest challenges in terms of that and do you have any recommendations in terms of Kind of ways to mitigate that. I mean, mm -hmm. I feel like social media has just become such a big thing um, with bullying. Yes. I mean, there's so many, so not just the the kind of self-esteem stuff, even bullying. And I mean, there's just so many things. Yeah, there's self-esteem, there's bullying, there's the information, the algorithms that are instituted, just they get a lot of stuff they didn't even ask for. Mm -hmm. Social media is a difficult one because there are positives and lots of negatives. And this generation has it and they are going to have it. It's not going to go away, unfortunately. But I think back to previous generations, and I think it was Plato that kind of panicked when there was the written word. Plato was like, how are they going to memorize things? This is going to make these kids dumber. And then when printed books came about, the parents were upset because their kids had their nose in a book. You, you hear that expression, get your nose out of the book, right? Mm -hmm. And um, so there was panic there when that happened because kids were not outside playing. They were sedentary reading their books. So now we have the unfortunate piece that comes in for this generation is the technology. 
So while I would not equate social media to the written word or to a printed book, there are positives about it. The issue that we have to come up with as parents right now is we're the first generation of parents who've had to deal with this. So there's no way like, here's how you deal with it. Um, we're still figuring that out as we go, as we see in the media, as we see with our own kids. So as parents though, how we deal with it is we have to be balanced in how we're talking to our kids about it because it is a reality. Even if your kids don't have it, a lot of their friends have it. So if you come in with the social media as bad, you can't have it because you know, list all the things, they're gonna tune you out because they're like, well, if it's so bad, why are billions of people on it? Mm -hmm. So we have to talk about both sides. Doesn't mean we have to give it to them, but we have to talk about both sides. And we have to realize that social media is a connection point for our kids. Mm -hmm. In the pandemic, it really came forward as a way for kids to connect with each other. And in that instance, it was actually a good thing. In mm -hmm. the space where kids are kind of, they're not on the mainstream, let's say, they're able to find people who are similar to them out in the world. So that helps them. So we have to think about those sides. So when we're talking to our kids about it, we can talk about the good things, ask them what they get from it and empower them, just like the CEO meeting, empower them to take charge of their social media life. Mm -hmm. Talk to them about expectations, internet etiquette, talk to them what to do if somebody reaches out to you in an inappropriate way. Let them know what the dangers are without catastrophizing. Um, just saying, here, let's prepare you for the things that may happen. I believe in you. You're smart enough to do this, but let's make sure you have the tools you need. One thing um, my husband and I use um, is this program called Bark, mm -hmm. which you know is a monitoring program right. that the girls have on their phones. Um, you know, but you don't, you, you know, that in itself, it, it's a lot of work to, <laughs> to monitor it, you know? Right. So, I mean, do you kind of feel, do you, do you feel like they should be somewhat monitored? I mean, do you think that's a kind of a good idea to slightly monitor it, but also empower them to kind of make the right choices, but um, make sure that they know that there is kind you know, people are, you know, we're, we're looking in and making sure everything's okay. And, you know, on the right path. Um, yeah. I mean, that's a great idea to do that. You should monitor, especially when they're first getting it, you're going to help them to navigate the waters of social media. You're not going to just throw them, throw them in the water and say, figure it out. So that means that you are, you have something like bark, for instance, it might mean that once a week you sit down with your kids and look through their social media if they have snapchat if they have instagram you're on there with them you're seeing what they post understanding that they also create secret accounts that you don't know about <laughs> these secondary accounts but you're still able to go through and talk about the things that are going on um, and as they get older you have to start weaning yourself off of that and start to trust them now that changes when there's a major issue that happens. You may say, oh, let's backtrack a little bit. Um, you, we're gonna take Snapchat away for now, uh, but you always need to give them the path forward. And if you're not currently giving them or allowing social media, show them the path forward of how you eventually will say yes to those things so that they know there are certain steps that they'll get there eventually. 
Um, otherwise you end up with that daily. When can I have it? When can I have it? Yeah. Yes. Oh, no, I totally, totally agree. I feel like we, we need to do like a series with you, Sherry, because there's so <laughs> many other issues that came up in this that I know we don't have time for, but, um, just a ton of questions for you going forward. So I'm hoping we can maybe yes. make this a, you know, maybe a monthly thing where we have absolutely talk about issues, but um, I'm here for you. Yeah. You know, I'm passionate about this. So whatever questions you have, I'm happy to jump in with you. And I think it's so helpful for parents to know that there's someone out there to help. I mean, yeah, like you were saying, sometimes kids feel like they're the only ones dealing with these things. Sometimes parents feel like that. You think I'm the only one and you're Mm -hmm. not. And so it's nice to have a person like you who's so, you know, so well-spoken and, has so much information about this. I mean, it's mm-hmm. a great, a wonderful resource. So how do parents and kids find you yeah. and tap into your, your coaching and your parent and kids friends groups? Mm-hmm. So the easiest way is to head to my website, which is teen-wise.com. And for parents, I would say the next step is to jump into my Facebook group if you're on there, because I do trainings all the time in there. And there's lots of information and you begin to see that you do have different ways of dealing with the stuff that comes up. And um, yeah, that'll keep you connected with me. You can search for the parenting lab, but I'll also, I think you have a link to that that you can put in your show notes. Yeah. So that'll probably be the easiest way for people to jump in there. Mm-hmm. Oh. And then um, just to follow up, you know, we have listeners that are not in the Washington, you know, Redmond area. Do you work with kids um, like virtually? And then also, do you work with boys? We talked a lot about, you know, so what are the options there? Yes, Yes, we do work with boys. I have just, you know, front facing, I work with teen girls, but I will not turn boys away if it falls within the wheelhouse of teen wise. I'm never going to say I can help you if I can't, right? So parents can contact me and we can talk through that, set up a a complimentary parent consult and we'll see, you know, if coaching is even the right fit or what other resources. My goal on a parent consult is if coaching is great and that's a good fit, let's do that. Otherwise, let me give you the resources for the next step, whether it's a book, a video, a program that I know about, I will get you there. So that's one one of answers there. The other is I work with kids wherever and parents wherever. So I've worked with someone in Senegal, in wow. Italy, um, you know, across the United States. So mm-hmm. obviously we have to do those through Zoom. And then locally in the Pacific Northwest, it's either a Zoom or in person or sometimes a combination of, of two of those. That's great. I love that. Wow. This has been so helpful. Yes. And we want to have you back on soon. I'm here. Next time on I Know a Thing, join us to hear about Nova Guthrie's advice on transforming your life through yoga, fitness, and dedication to healing. Nova shares tips to maintain youth and mobility as we age. Thanks for listening. Until next time, this is I Know a Thing, a podcast by ordinary moms exploring what we find curious.